Open your Bible to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Maybe familiar to you, maybe not so familiar. 1 John chapter 4, I'm in the NIV, the New International Version. Works from on earth. If you have your Bible, find 1 John 4. You don't have your Bible, it's a New King James, it's the Pew Bible in front of you, and you, you can go to page uh, 820 in that Bible. I'm not going to put the words on the screen for you. I just want to read these words out loud with you following along. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9, this is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. Now, hold on, hold on. Here comes verse 10. Ooh, this is love. Okay, here's love. Here, here it comes. This is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Thinking of Timothy Peake, the astronaut, I'm just wondering, do you suppose God ever regrets creating this planet? I mean, please, look at it today. This second day of the new year, look at the mess we're in. Do you suppose God ever says, hello, hello, is this planet Earth, the planet Earth that we created, is this the same place? The whole world, to be honest, the whole world breathed a sigh of relief just a few hours ago when we bade farewell, adios, to 2015. Truth of the matter is the whole world knows that we're just like, we're just, we're just like the tarmac and O'Hare Airport. The planes are all light, lined up. The crises in the 2016 are already lined up. They're getting ready to take off and they're all coming our direction, just one right after the other. The whole world knows it. So today we begin a new series, perhaps to distract us from the headlines for a few moments every Sabbath this winter, but maybe, better yet, to prepare us for the headlines. The title of this series, I'll put it on the screen for you, it's beginning right now, Charmed into Righteousness. Charmed into Righteousness. Those of you watching live streaming, that's, that's what will be here Sabbath after Sabbath through this winter. Charmed into righteousness. And I must tell you, I love that little phrase. I can say that because I didn't come up with it. I've been reading uh, Reinhold Niebuhr, who in the 20th century was recognized by Time magazine, covers, picture, America's theologian, Reinhold Niebuhr. I've been reading for the second time his little book, Leaves from the Notebook of a Tamed Cynic. Reinhold Niebuhr was for 13 years a pastor in the Motor City, Detroit, Michigan. So he writes to pastors. It's a good little book. I'm a second time through. These are his words. I'll put it on the screen for you. Reinhold Niebuhr, on the whole, he's writing, people do not achieve great moral heights out of a sense of duty. You may be able to compel them to maintain certain minimum standards by stressing duty, but the highest moral and spiritual achievements depend not upon a push, but upon a pull. I like that. Now here it comes. Here it comes. People must be charmed into righteousness. Isn't that good? People must be charmed into righteousness. The language of aspiration rather than that of criticism and command is the proper pulpit language, he writes, end quote. Charmed into righteousness. The very word charmed is a charming word, isn't it? But I find it charming because it also triggers a memory of 
its use by a, a writer a hundred years before Reinhold Niebuhr. Her name, Ellen White. I'll put her charmed on the screen for you right now. You cannot, she writes a century ago, you cannot but be charmed with the matchless attractions of the Son of God." End quote. Isn't that good? Charmed with the matchless attractions of the Son of God. Wow! Charmed. Read it again. Put the words on the screen for you now. First John chapter 4, verse 9, this is how God showed His love among us. He sent us His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love. Come on, you want to know? This is it. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Oh, I wish we had the, the, the Vimeo, the, the, the YouTube clip of that dream that Joseph dreamed on that night of troubled sleep. I mean, look at his fiance, young Mary, teenage girl, she's just announced to him that she is pregnant. And when somebody tells you, I'm pregnant because the Holy Spirit did it, you, you're going to believe that? So he decided, listen, proper thing to do, I'm just going to quietly, <laughs> we're engaged, the wedding's not quite yet, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pursue, as they did in those days, an act of divorce, just sever this relationship. That night, the angel shows up. Here it is, Matthew 1. Uh, keep your finger, stay right here in 1 John 4, but we'll put Matthew 1 on the screen here. Matthew 1, verse 20, but after Joseph had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, now hold on, Joseph, son of David. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. You are to name the baby J-E-S-U-S, -S, we'd say in the English. Just before heading down, flying down to Argentina for eight sermons in that wonderful country. Sunday, left on Monday, but Sunday, Pioneer had the joy of hosting, first time in history, hosting a Messiah sing-along. Thanks to our, our choral leader, uh, Jeannie Pedersen-Smith in the Sanctuary Choir. This place was packed. I mean, and dominantly, dominantly guests and visitors from the community. Man said, I was listening on the radio, South Bend. Brought my whole family up here. Roman Catholics, okay, we can come. I said, of course it's okay. It was, a, it was, for me, on every level, it was a moving experience. And in that great oratorio here, you have, uh, you have the name Messiah, Messiah being announced. And of course, the angel is saying, hey, listen, this is the Messiah. You're going to give him a name. You're going to call him J-E-S-U-S, -S, for he will save his people from their sins. The 19th century, the great preacher, Charles Spurgeon, put an exclamation mark after the name Jesus with this quotation. And I'm, I'm going to put it on the screen for you. This, this is something. Jesus, Spurgeon now, Jesus is a song in one word, a matchless oratorio in two syllables, and all the hallelujahs of eternity in five letters. How do you spell it? J-E-S-U-S. You cannot but be charmed with the matchless attractions of the Son of God. 
That's why if I had one prayer for you this new year, university students, some of you are already back, community member, faculty, staff, live streamer right now, if I had one prayer for you, that would be that every new dawning, every new morning this new year would find you alone for just a few minutes, you, you alone with this Jesus. You take a gospel. You pick the gospel. You begin reading it consecutively, one story at a time, and you let your heart be charmed with the matchless attractions of this Son of God. That's what I would wish for you. Charles Wesley, century before uh, Charles Spurgeon, Wesley, the great composer of Methodist hymns. Wesley once wrote a hymn, and I, I don't want to sing it with you right now. I want to... I wanna, uh, I'm going to read it with you. So grab your hymnal. It's 250 in your hymnal. Come on. I'm not putting it on the screen. So grab the hymnal, 250. He, he captures the life of Jesus. The, the, and you'll, you'll, we'll, we will read the word charm embedded in his hymn. This is a beautiful hymn. You love it. I love it too. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, my great Redeemer's praise. So let's just read it. Come on. When's the last time you read in your hymnal? Stanza one, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise, the glories of my God and King, the triumphs of His grace. All the way through, it's just J-E-S-U-S, the, tr- the, the, the charm. Here's no, here's stanza number two, my gracious Master and my God, assist me to proclaim, to spread through all the earth abroad this new year, the honors of Thy name. Now, here comes, here comes the word, verse three, Jesus with Spurgeon's exclamation mark, Jesus, the name that charms our fears. Isn't that beautiful? The name that charms our fears, that bids our sorrows cease. Tis music in the sinner's ears. Tis life and health and peace. He breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean. His blood availed for me. It covered me. Number five, he speaks in listening to his voice. New life the dead receive. The mournful broken hearts rejoice. The humble poor believe. Jesus, hear him, ye deaf. His praise, ye dumb, your loosened tongues employ. Ye blind, behold your Savior come and leap, ye lame, for joy. I mean, they're talking about the matchless attractions of Christ. It's embedded in that old, old gospel hymn. But the third stanza, put it on the screen for you, Jesus, the name that charms our fears. That's the name. What's the name I dial when I'm in trouble this new year? What's the name I want to contact every, every morning, first thing, J-E-S-U-S? You'll never get a hang-up on it. You will never dial the wrong number, Jesus. So if I had a New Year's prayer for you, it would be that. Every morning, every single morning, you alone with the matchless charms and attraction of Jesus. You pick the gospel. You, you read at your leisure, but every morning. Oh, what's this? What's our, our homily text here? First John 4 again, verse 9. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. Verse 10, this is love. Not that we found God, but that He, that, or rather, not that we loved God, but that He loved us, and He sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Wow. I came across a powerful depiction of the 
depth of God's suffering love in a brand new book written by one of our own faculty at the Theological Seminary. Wow. John Peckham is his name. He's a philosopher and a theologian, teaches both philosophy and theology at our seminary here on campus. He just wrote the book, The Love of God, A Canonical Model, and I've been reading it through, and I'm going to tell you, as God is my witness, it is the most exhaustive and scholarly study of God's love I have ever read in my short life. And by the way, I just learned this a couple weeks ago. He's being published, I knew this, by InterVarsity Press. No small press for a professor in this little seminary to get published in. InterVarsity Press, academic, which means up here. And guess what? Just a few weeks ago, he was voted Reader's Choice, the number one book for 2015 in IVP. Number one book, Reader's Choice. You need to read the book. That's my point. I'll be quoting from it in this series. Anyway, he captures the depths of God's suffering love. This one line. These words are in his book. Put it on the screen. The God who is love must be able to suffer and does suffer beyond all limits in the giving up of what is most authentically His. Say, what, what is this love? He gives up what is most authentically His for the sake of mortal man and woman. That's what love is. He gives up. that. that, that that's me. That's my son. That's, we, we, we are one. He gives up what is most authentically His. Paul's, I mean, John says, look, this is love. This is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice, atoning sacrifice for our sins. Wow, it doesn't get any better than that. It does not get any better than that. Calvary, Bethlehem, bookends to the narrative of this God who entered into the depths of our mortal human suffering to save us. That's the God who says, I want to meet with you tomorrow morning. Will you be there? You got my number? I got it. I got it. Just call me. I'll be there. For that reason, Scripture is absolutely unequivocal in declaring the gospel as exactly as John just declared it. The angel declared it. John is our homily text. He's declaring it. And Paul comes along and says, both are right. Put this verse on the screen. Keep your finger in 1 John 4. Here it is, 1 Timothy 1, verse 15. It doesn't get any more succinct than this. Here is a trustworthy saying, Paul's scribbling, that deserves full acceptance. Here it comes. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. No question. I'm the worst. That's the gospel. The angel says, he, you should call his name Jesus. He'll save his people from their sins. Well, who are his people? The whole world. Christ, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. You know what? For an academic community, that's not so bad for us to just hit the pause button and uh, hold that, keep that on the screen for a moment. There is no question that the greatest intellect Christianity has ever birthed is the mind, heart, and soul of the Apostle Paul. He's the one who declares, I am the worst. He's not play acting. Not a little sleight of hand so you don't really make you think I'm the sinner. He knows he's the worst. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I'm the worst. It's called the gospel. Over these Christmas break, I've been reading from this little classic, Chapter Day, uh, Steps to Christ. Oh, you could, you could do a lot worse this new year than going back to this little book and just reading a chapter a day for a while. It's so short you get through it in a couple of weeks, but... 
I want to share with you a line that uh, comes from this book. I'll put the words on the screen, but I'm going to read from my little marked-up copy here. Steps to Christ, page 35. Speaking of intellectual community, as we are, listen, many accept an intellectual religion. All right, we got it all figured out. We got it up here. We got it. Many accept an intellectual religion, a form of godliness, when the heart is not cleansed. Let it be your prayer this new year. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Boy, at the foot of the cross, could there be a greater day than today to pray this prayer together at the foot of Calvary, as we will in just a moment? Create in me a clean heart. God, I don't want to think about 2015. I don't want to remember. Cleanse my memory. Scrub my soul, God. I have to start this new year clean. I can't carry that baggage into 2016. Why not? It's the gospel. Wash me. I'll start over. Oh, Ellen White goes on. Deal truly with your own soul. Don't play games. You know the truth, and so does God. So talk to Him honestly. Don't put on this happy face that, God, here I am again, your perfect little boy or girl. No, you're not. And God knows it, and so do you. Deal truly with your own soul. Be as earnest, as persistent as you would be if your mortal life were at stake. This is a matter to be settled between God and your own soul, settled for eternity. Oh, boy. A supposed hope and nothing more will prove your ruin. You say, hey, Dwight, whoa, time out, whoa. You said there's going to be charm by his matchless attractions. This is sounding very negative to me. No, time out for you. Time out, time out. How can the good news possibly be good news if I don't know the bad news first, if I don't admit the bad news first? Until I say I am the worst sinner on this planet and mean it, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. So? I don't need that. You have to need it to plead it. And when you plead it, you get it. It's the way it works. Paul, for the rest of his life, pled for God to cover his past because his past was a shaming past. Forgetting those things which are behind, he kept saying, I've got to forget what's behind, but I'm the worst sinner. And he couldn't forget. Wow. Reminds me of that sentence, by the way, on, on, on page 30, same chapter. Uh, I'll put it on the screen for you here. The drunkard. Okay, this, so this is the person hooked on prescription drugs, all right? So that she keeps going to the doctor, getting more and more prescriptions. She, she doesn't have to have this much, but she's hooked now. This, this guy is hooked on prescription drugs, okay? So the drug addict. This could be the junkie in the inner city, or it could be the respectable, uh, you know, middle-class drug addict because of prescription medicine, or it could be an alcoholic. The drunkard is despised, yeah, around here, psh, and is told that her sin, his sin, will exclude him, will exclude her from heaven. All the while, watch this, whoa, brother, Pride, selfishness, and covetousness too often go unrebuked. Not a word. I don't, I'm not sorry for those because, you know, thank God I'm not like her. Too often they go unrebuked. But keep going, oh, keep going, keep reading. These are sins that are especially, did you get the word especially? Especially offensive to God. For pride, covetousness, and selfishness are contrary to the benevolence of His character, to that unselfish love, which is the very atmosphere of heaven. I'm telling you what, just to be candid, 
With one of those three, I really have a struggle with. Probably with all three that I don't even know about, but uh, at least two of those three. No, maybe three. What were the three again, by the way? Pride, covetousness, selfishness. This selfishness thing, I really struggle with it. I'm a selfish person by nature. I found that. The Lord reminded me again this week. So we're flying, we're, we're flying home. We had a, we had a wonderful time uh, to that week in Argentina, then a week in Southern California, reunion with my mother and the whole tribe, the Nelson tribe. We just had a glorious time. So Karen and I got up at 3.30 in the morning, left 4.45, raced to LAX when the traffic was survivable. We had an 8.50 flight, got right up there to check in, and it said, canceled. <sighs> this is Wednesday. Oh, man. <sighs> Go to the service counter. There's a long line. We're halfway back. Come to find out when we got to the front of the line, hallelujah, they provided another plane, a Dreamliner, 787, to fly the people that were stranded by this cancel flight. And so, anyway, uh, we have a five-hour wait now. So we're just sitting around reading and got a bite to eat. And then I saw on the monitor, wow, I got upgraded to business first class. <laughs> and I said, no, no. You know, I arranged this trip so I'd fly with Karen. I'll sit with her. I was hoping that would be kind of an ah, because I was going to enjoy just that brief moment. Seriously. So I said, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to worry about it. Somebody else can take my seat. I'll, I'll stick in the one I'm assigned, 22A. So we go on to the plane. There's a shriveled up little lady sitting in 22A. I say, hey, let me see your, uh, let me see your uh, boarding pass. It's 22A. I said, how could that be? So Karen looks at me and she says, you know what? Why don't you take the seat in first class? I'll sit back here. Okay, I'll check it out. Anyway, I went up there, the Dreamliners, the reclining seat. I'll take it. Now, this is where the Lord got me. So when the flight is over, and Karen and I are now in O'Hare racing to catch the South Bend flight, she says, you know that little lady that uh, sat on the plane? She got to the airport at 5.30 in the morning. Her family dropped her off. She comes and finds out that it's been canceled. She has no money, not a dollar bill to her name. I'm thinking, what family would send a little mother without a dollar bill? So she, Karen said, I offered to buy the woman lunch. And she said, no, no, I don't, I'm okay, I'm okay. But, but when we landed, she said, you're going to have some money. And my wife, the most unselfish person I know on this planet, gives cash to her and says, buy yourself supper. And right then I said, you... If you had offered that woman your seat... She would have gotten a meal with china and silver for free. Said, you little pig, you ate it. <laughs> I'm telling you guys, we, I'm not a drunkard. Hey, I don't, I'm, not I'm not hooked on prescription drugs. I don't, I don't even drink wine. I'm not an alcoholic. Yeah, I know, God says. It's pride, covetousness, and selfishness that I'm worried about with you. You see the point? An intellectual community still needs Calvary. That's the point. We need the cross. I need the cross. I am the worst sinner, Paul says. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But there's good news for intellectual sinners. Keep reading. As you see the enormity, 
Let me get my place here. As you see the enormity of sin, as you see yourself as you really are, oh boy, those moments come. Do not give up to despair. It was sinners that Christ Jesus came to save. We have not to reconcile God to us. Oh, but wondrous, oh, wondrous love. This is so beautiful. God in Christ is reconciling the world unto Himself. He's wooing by His tender love the hearts of His erring children. No earthly parent could be as patient with the faults and mistakes of His children as is God with those He seeks to save. No one could plead more tenderly with the transgressor. No human lips ever poured out more tender entreaties to the wanderer than does He. My mother, God bless her, 87 years of age, in this family reunion, had the cousins there, the siblings, the spouses, and my mom is just sitting there drinking it all in, smiling. She's bright mind, interject now and then. Sounds like a mother to me. A mother who took me aside before I left Tuesday night and said, Do I need to say a little something I noticed about you? Apparently, even at 87, mothers can do this. There ought to be a cutoff where they just, just be thankful I'm me. <laughs> No, I received that. I received that in my heart as a gift of love. Wow. And that's God. He says, it's me. I'm that mother of yours. I'm that daddy of yours you never had. I'm the father you always longed to have. But he, he gave up on you. I have never given up on you. You are my girl. You are my boy. I'm pleading with you, come to me this new year. I'm begging you. I'm wooing your heart. Look at these scars. J-E-S-U-S, come, be charmed, come to me. What a God that we've come to worship the second day of the new year. And he's here. He's speaking to your heart right now like he's speaking to mine, surprising me even in my own notes. That's the way he is. Oh, uh, last line of this, uh, of this paragraph, put it on the screen, just one line, all his promises... His warnings are but the breathing of unutterable love. Doesn't get any better than unutterable love. That's, that, that's how much He loves you. You say, Dwight, you don't know what I did in 2015. I don't care to know. I already know what I did. I'm the worst of sinners. So we'll, we'll enjoy this company together. The point is, unutterable love says, I wipe that off and I'll start afresh with you. But you've got to come to me. Don't run from me. Come to me. When Satan comes, oh, here's the good news now. I'll end with this. When Satan comes to tell you that you are a great sinner, which we are, look up to your Redeemer as we will. At the Lord's table, we're going to be looking straight up into the face of Jesus. Look up to your Redeemer and talk of His merits. That's who counts. That which will help you to look is to look to His light. Acknowledge your sin at the foot of the cross, but tell the enemy, hey, yo, devil, you're not telling me anything new. I already knew all that. You didn't know I knew? You think I am a fool? I know what you're saying, but you tell your enemy. Tell the enemy that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and that you may be saved by His matchless love. Wow. 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 I'm going to end the quote right there. Saved by His matchless love. That's why we're here, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters of the family of God. We have come today on the second day of this new year to be saved afresh by His matchless love. It doesn't get any better than this. It just doesn't. 
When you take the bread as you will in a moment, when you take the cup as you will in a moment, when you take the towel as you will in a moment, Jesus said all three of these are to, to remind you of my matchless, my unutterable love, my matchless attractions. I want you to be charmed into righteousness. I want you to be charmed to me, charmed into my nail-scarred open embrace, charmed. Come on, come on, come on. Let me love you like you've never been loved before. You can't make me love you more than I already do. You can't make me love you less than I already do. Come. Come to me. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise. Jesus, the name that charms our fears away. Let's pray. Oh, God, charmed into your outstretched, wide-open embrace, charm to the one who says with unutterable love and infinite sacrifice, I have loved you, charmed to you. What better way to begin a new year than with each other at the foot of your cross? It doesn't get any better than this, for which we thank you. In the name that is above every name, the only Savior on earth, our Lord Jesus, let all the people say, Amen and Amen.